fellow cinematographer Jared Levy. We are sponsored by Masters in Motion. This week is with director Miles J. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation that we had. Um, you know, a lot of times we speak with cinematographers primarily. Uh, always a treat when we could speak to uh, directors and other, other craftspeople. Um, you know, I think in particular a lot of the conversations with cinematographers there's a limit to what we can talk about in terms of the creative decision making as the um, it's in partnership with the director. And um, so to be able to speak with the director who not only can talk about those types of choices visually, but also everything about the project itself, um, where the ideas come from, the ideation process um, on either because of how they're writing things or the work that they're doing with the agency, kind of what they're hearing from from the client, how they're making it better, um, how they're putting their spin on it. Um, so that whole conversation with Miles was really great, and you know I think one of the things that stands out with his work in particular, um, he did the music video for Leon Bridges' uh, song "River," and also uh, Squarespace ad with John Malkovich. Those two, I mean, he has a lot of great work. Those two in particular stand out to me, especially for what I come to find with his work of really, it almost feels like a documentary at times. The 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 realism and the authenticity. I know that that's a word that gets tossed around. Um, willy-nilly these days but there is honestly when you're watching it it, it, it can feel like a doc uh, even though these are obviously scripted narrative moments um, he just has that special touch and approach and um, tried speaking with him about that and and how you get to that point because it really is so fascinating um, whether it's you know in those two examples one of them just depicting inner city Baltimore and then another just depicting you know the, the quiet moments of John Malkovich's life as he is uh, somewhat um, playing himself in it. And um, it's just amazing to experience um, and, and watch that. So we, we chatted a lot about that, and I really, really enjoyed that conversation. And so uh, we are sponsored by Masters in Motion, which is a three-day film uh, conference that happens every year in Austin, Texas, every December. And ASC cinematographers, AC editors, big-time production designers, they all come down and um, give presentations, and not only that, the social aspect is great. Uh, afterwards, can grab a beer with them, chat with them, but also the attendees that come are all great filmmakers themselves. So really just an awesome social experience. You can go to shooteditlearn.com to learn more. And um, I should say that this was edit, uh, recorded prior to uh, quarantine and prior to these um, issues all taking place, so that is why um, we don't really discuss it. And to that end, um, one of my biggest podcast fans is my dad, who is uh, currently listening uh, in the hospital dealing with COVID, and I just want to let him know on here as he uh, passes the time listening to podcasts that I love him and that um, I know he's going to continue to kick COVID's ass and that he's going to uh, he's going to come out very soon. So thanks for being here. This is Director Miles J. So I know that we've been also playing tag a little bit because you've been working on a project. How is that going? Mm -hmm. Is it anything that you can chat about yet or kind of still? Uh, I'm on an Apple commercial that I can't talk about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how they go. But it's, yeah, but it's, a, bit, it's a bit crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like I've never done a project for them. We had a couple this year that I was going to do that then um, they had to kill. Um, this was my first one for them and they have their own process and um you know when the client's like i think this is gonna work it's kind of hard to argue them versus other clients because they're so successful yeah um <laughs> yes. they're like well i think this is how we do it and you go okay <laughs> um 
so it's been an interesting process. Uh, but they're honestly really nice. It's one of the nicer like groups of people I've had the chance to work with. Um, cool. So it's kind of nice when you work with. It's for their internal stuff. So when you work with like um, internal clients, and it's a lot simpler because it's not like an agency and then a client, and then mm-hmm. you're caught in between sometimes, or they you can't talk to a client because it devalues the agency's purpose and. There's a lot more complexity just dealing with politics. So it's what's internal like this. Sometimes it's a lot simpler, um, and that's been my experience so far. It's been like a lot cleaner and nicer. Yeah, process. that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I had written down that I wanted to talk to you, and and we can get into it later. But just dealing with all of that, those those elements, and how your your work just tends to stay of a certain caliber and with a certain aesthetic that I would imagine dealing with that. Um, the push and pull that commercial projects can have and how you manage to maintain a certain quality mm. aesthetic despite the compromises mm. just fascinating to me because I, I, I've just been, I'm, I'm a cinematographer just in terms of yeah. like where my mindset is coming from and my perspective and questioning. Um, cool. Just watching that, um, you know, watching you maintain it is is fascinating. Mm. But let, let's, let's get into that when we're talking about specific projects and stuff. Because I did want to cool. start just from the beginning, knowing that you grew up in, in Canada. Um, yeah. And I was just curious what that was like, being interested in filmmaking and living in, in Canada versus the U.S. Um, if there was any sort of view on wanting to become a filmmaker and, and if there were any extra barriers because of that or if you thought about it any differently or if you felt like you had to come to the U.S. at all. What, yeah. what was that thought process like in the beginning? Yeah, definitely... Um it's definitely influenced my career a lot because from like a very practical standpoint, um, my father, you know, directs, he directs episodic television, um, like U.S. shows shoot in Canada mostly. And then my mom was a props master on mostly like U.S. films, but then she quit and opened up a yoga studio. So I kind of grew That's up a hard in a family that was broken. Like, <laughs> you know, my parents divorced when I was like six. So I kind of mm. grew up in this realm where I was like, wow, this industry is really tough on families and tough on lifestyle and I, it was really hard for me growing up with my parents never being around so I kind of mm. at an early age was like I'll never want to go into filmmaking because wow that's so destroying <laughs> I was like I want to be I just I, what I really craved when I was young was what I thought was like to be normal was like I wanted like a job like I thought being a lawyer was what I wanted to do because I just felt like I wanted some structure and something that was stable because uh, my parents were gone so much and they're both like great parents it just was like when they're great but not around it's confusing when you're a child so I was really against film but I still like kind of idolized my dad because he was like on set and he was the director and that was cool but it's also like you're a kid and you're sitting and you hear people talking shit about your dad and how much they don't like him because you know directors i want to talk shit about them yeah uh, that was always hard people would be like i could see someone talk shit about my dad and then come back and say something nice about him you know just because everyone likes to just hate on a director even though i think like Hmm. my dad his best quality is his like emotional leadership you know like he's a really good strong leader for people and really cares and is like intuitive so i think that's probably his biggest strength but it's just when you're a kid it's like conflicting because sure like, oh, he's taking so long to do it you can't get it <laughs> you're like you know normal shit that people talk about directors that i never hear because no one says it to my face <laughs> you know i just feel i i've done a funny on jobs because it's kind of weird because no matter what i say people laugh you know like i'll just say something and everyone just laughs and you're like it's not it wasn't even funny mm. <laughs> you know what i mean you're mm. like and you get used to this like people 
cloak you in this weird reality that isn't real because everyone just wants to make you enjoy the experience. But yeah, so you know, I guess going back, I, I was really not intimate into the idea of filmmaking, and my sister was doing it in high school. I was lucky enough to have like a TV production class, so I feel like my sister was doing it. And she created like the shadow, and she was making these documentaries when she was really young. And I was like, okay, I, I need to do this to kind of like show my parents I'm like as good as my sister is. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Just, I, yeah, competitive and then, I, then I got hooked at like 15, 16 and started making films and then I like quit all sports and was like really into basketball and um, soccer and quit everything to kind of focus on filmmaking and then went to college. Um, I was actually trying to go to US school and I was in a soccer game and I got hit in the eye. So I went blind in my uh, left eye and they I had to like basically keep my eye immobile so the blood would drain out of my eyes so I could get vision back. So I had to like not move my eyeball for like a few weeks oh in, my God. in grade 12. So I had missed my SATs. So that was like a huge switch in my life where I was like, because I was like, I'm going to U.S. school. I'm going to NYU or USC or UCLA and was really headstrong on that. And then that switched to, uh, say, in Canada. And then I wanted to go to Montreal to Concordia and they rejected me. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I know at that time I made short films like one little high school festivals in Vancouver and won like, you know, best high school films in Vancouver a couple of times. I was like, you know, I'm not like terrible at this. Yeah. Um, I had really cheesy taste and like made really corny stuff that just looked cool. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, I thought it was going to be all right. <laughs> and then I got rejected from Cordia. So I went to Ryerson and, you know, I guess then in Toronto, I was like, how do I get to the U S you know, like, how do I get to, to leave? And, I wasn't really a big fan of like the filmmaking that was being done in Canada for like Canadian stories. It wasn't really inspiring to me. And um, what do you mean about that? It, like, like because I just, like those filmmakers I like in Canada with like how the Canadian filmmaking production works. Like, obviously there's Xavier Dillon, like the Quebec filmmaking with Daniel Villeneuve, um, and that whole like that's a different world. Like English speaking filmmaking, like in the way the National Film Board of Canada. Um, and telefilm give out money, I think, are projects, the ones that I don't connect with, because it has to be, like, Canadian content, so mm. the stories have to, like, revolve around something like that. Yeah. You know, you can shoot films in Canada for tax credit purposes and make Canadian films, but, like, the film, the, the, the funding kind of goes to people that I, you know, goes to ways that they either so established, like a Cronenberg, who's obviously amazing, but then it goes to people who are, like, trying to make, like, a story about growing up in the prairies, and I'm like, fuck, I don't like, I don't like. Right, 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 right. Okay, so yeah, I, you sense. know, it just, you know, like Men with Brooms, a curling movie is the highest grossing Canadian movie I think ever. You know, and it's like I don't want to make that. So if you're like, yeah. it kind of just felt like not the right place. And I, so I honestly, there's a bit of a music video scene in Toronto because with much music like the Canadian MTV, you can get twenty thousand dollar grants. So I got a couple of those to do music videos, but it was really like coming out of college. I was like, I want to get into commercials to basically get signed by a U.S. company and get a visa and go to the States. That right. was, like, my plan, like, yeah. in college, you know. So, again, then when I went to the U.S., suddenly uh, opportunities were a lot more um, plentiful. Yeah. In Canada, it's, like, a lot more limited. No, that makes sense. I mean, in, in those beginning stages, and you were kind of, I guess, talking on it a little bit, being like it was a bit, like, the style was a bit corny and just trying to figure it out. But maybe even a little bit after that, once you started making things that you think you were, you know, proud of and happy about what was your sense of your own aesthetic and like what were you trying to be kind of going after in terms of directing and storytelling because if the one thing you know for prep on this conversation I went through a lot of things that are you know things from recently and things from years ago and I think 
intimate, really lived in moments feel like something that's been a part of it from the beginning. And I'm curious about when it's that type of stuff, how proactive your thought process is about those types of um, aspects of your work versus that's kind of just the summation of what you do. And there, there isn't really, you know, a very yeah. specific aspect to it. Well, I think that to do honestly is a lot about like um, growth is a lot of what it's about. And I think like any good story, it's going to kind of start from a character and work outwards and not be something that like you dictate. And I have such an urge to dictate what it should be about and not let it be born. Like even just shooting a scene, sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, the person's doing this and the person's doing that. And my DP reminds me like, let's just see what they do and then figure it out. But sometimes like, mm. I get nervous and I want to plan and I want to make sure it's perfect, but I can't just, I need to let it be what it is, if that makes sense. So yeah. like in my career, starting in my early twenties when YouTube was like HD now, <laughs> it was like starting to be like, how many views can you get? Like I wanted to plan my career so specifically and my dad and I talked about it for so long that I was like premeditating everything and mm -hmm. it wasn't actually originating with what I felt. It was just all very strategic and it was very like head, heady thinking. It wasn't really with my heart and what I was leaning into. Mm. So I wasn't really listening to my instinct. And that was kind of what the, most of my early 20s was projects that were like very about like this is going to get a view or this is going to win an award or this is going to X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then like halfway through my 20s, I kind of tried to switch to something where I felt, oh, I just like this because I love it. And, um, I still fight that. I still have my brain tell me like, go do this. This is better for you. This is smart. And then my gut's like, you don't want me doing this. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Like, or like my head's like, I'm writing a couple of features and one of them I want to like figure it out right away. My head's like, just figure this out and finish it. But my gut is like, you need to like take time and mm -hmm. meet these people and have it lived in. So I guess what happened with me, which was kind of organic, was I was making a lot of narrative work that I think was pretty cheesy and and um, over stylized and wasn't very authentic. Wasn't what was making real, it cheesy? Was making, like, sorry? like what, what, what was making it cheesy? What, what aspects of it well, were landing? Real, so like you're doing such stuff at such surface level with the relationships or the characters that mm. it becomes cheesy because it doesn't have the right depth. Yeah. So and I was really trying to have like uh, concept driven work that was going to get me attention, and it was giving me attention, but. Then on the other side, I was doing like these kind of documentary projects that were really connected with my heart. And I really felt like completely connected and immersed into that. And I, those projects, when I would see them, I felt like, wow, I really feel connected with that, even though it wasn't a very high concept thing or wasn't flashy. Mm -hmm. And I think as, as my uh, going now, I'm 30, but like going to my late 20s, it was like those things started to merge. Whereas like some commercials, I was getting hired to like documentary style things or whatever. And then music videos are kind of a mixture of documentary and fiction and now the films I'm developing are uh you know two out of three of them are are two stories um where it's like I have a documentary process but then I shoot it in a very uh like you know kind of formal way but still my approach to performance and my approach to filmmaking is trying to be reactive and trying to you know like uh, prep a lot and then you see it on the day and change your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's to be reactive. Well, because I wanted the, something that's coming to my mind, and I'm not sure exactly where it falls in your timeline about when you were realizing any aspect of what you just described, but the Budweiser commercial, the bromance Thanksgiving, mm. like, mm -hmm. you know, I, there's such a depth touch to how, like, that is being filmed, um, and that, you know, there's no... Um, 
compromises made on the cinematography. Like it looked great, and you got the, like different angles, and there's coverage, and everything is where it's supposed to be, and yet it feels so natural and real, and the emotion is there. Um, that just that that one just you know really stopped me and made me think about like, well, how how are you even executing that uh, on set, and like what is the conversation you're having with your DP about? creating an environment that doesn't interrupt the flow that's happening with these characters because I mean they were yeah. so I, I was I bought it hook line and sinker yeah that one you know we that's kind of a, a, a good example of where I think I was kind of like formalizing a process like that one I basically researched and found across the country through like social media and whatever and Skype calls just a group of friends that had, where well, I interviewed groups of friends that had disbanded across the country. And so we found this group of friends wow. who one actually ended up living a block away from me. The others lived in Portland and, and Colorado and whatever. So the idea was basically let's fly everybody together. And then the first night they hang around and drink beer, let's shoot it. <laughs> and like, I had like, kind of, you know, I done these like kind of lead up scenes and created this kind of little story where I, like, you know, these are just real dudes, not actors, but I created scenes. I'm like, okay, here's a scene where like, you just pick your buddy up in a car. And this is the first time you're actually going to pick your buddy up in a car. We're just going to film it. And, you know, the cinematographer, Chris Blauvelt on that, you know, it just had the right kind of idea. Like, let's just let it happen. And, um, you know, the clients were kind of like, how did you get this performance? And basically what I did is I shut the scenes where they're all hanging out and drinking. I just, you know, obviously booze commercials are not allowed to consume alcohol or whatever, but that one, I just shut the client agency out of, out of uh, the apartment and filmed 360 and had a closed set and I just got them wasted and then we just filmed it. So it was like basically just real. And by the end of the night after we wrapped, they were like Snapchatting each other and they're like puking. And, you know, it was like, a, it was like a real night and then, what I did is I found out where all their ex-girlfriends and girlfriends were from high school. And I flew them out. So we went to this like bowling alley scene. Oh we just God. flew all those people out and they surprised them. So all their performances are just genuine. And I think that hmm. a lot of what I try and do is like you do a lot of work just to create something that is genuine. And it's like people you know, don't need to know that, but you feel it. And I think that's like an example of like that's a really low concept when you watch it, it's just a low concept idea, like group of friends getting back together, but the execution is, is actually quite difficult. Um, yeah. And like, it's just so much casting, you know, casting is always like the biggest thing you have to dig into. Yeah. And I mean, I think in the same vein, cause I watched that and then I went right into IMG Academy and obviously they're different, but in a certain way, there was that same level of rawness and it's like, you're catching these moments I don't know. I, I I understand that it's like, well, you prep it and you find the right people um, and you put them in a situation that they are going to be comfortable in. Um, I guess maybe why it ends up being so, from an artistic standpoint on the commercial side, like breathtaking is just because you're watching every single aspect of those different things that need to happen correctly all happening correctly. And like the result is then really mm. quite, it just looks different. It feels different, you know. Yeah, the thing is, I don't really. I feel like what's funny is like people for a long time in my career said like they couldn't see me and in my work. You know, I had no voice, especially in my early twenties. Mm -hmm. That was like a really traumatic thing to hear over and over. And I was like, I don't even know who I am, and you're telling me I don't even know who I am. That feels terrible. <laughs> uh, and I think that like over especially time people kind of say, oh, you know, 
we really see you in your work and whatever that is. I just don't think that's something I premeditate. I think that's, I think if it's premeditated, it's like really inauthentic. So I feel like what I try and do is, you know, I don't go on Instagram. I don't watch people's commercials. I don't watch, I watch a few music videos and they send to me, but I just don't consume content that other people are making unless it's something I seek out. You know? mm-hmm. So if I want to go watch, um, you know, like AG's new Bonnie Bear music video. It's like, I'll seek that out. You know, I'm not going to be like, and I think the difference is, is like when I would see things on Instagram, I would feel shitty about it because I'd be like, oh, I didn't make that. And I haven't made something in a while that I want to be proud of or whatever, you know, and you would have these like jealousy feelings and that would start to motivate an unhealthy direction of what I wanted to do. Where it's like, if I go and search it and I'm active, I'm like, inspired by it you know mm-hmm. it's like it's a it's just a little bit of a different way to look at it i felt like i was just kind of if i don't really try and keep up with what's happening i feel like i can just do my thing and then it feels nicer <laughs> <laughs> how long ago did you make that realization like when did you give up that stuff i was conscious of it like years ago but i just wanted i felt like the um the positivities outweigh the negatives but the reality is, like, I was just addicted to it, and I couldn't really tell myself that I was addicted to it. Um, I was addicted to the recognition from it, and, like, I was also, it's kind of like living your whole life with two lenses. So when I was on set, I would be in my gut, be, like, a scouting, but in half my mind, like, I want to get a cool, like, shot for Instagram today. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I want to be, like, my ego is, like, I want people to know that I'm scouting and like fucking Spain or something, you know, like, yeah. and then my, like part of my personality, I think everyone's personality is separated into different parts, but I think part of my personality is not very healthy and like is ego driven and you have to like recognize what that is and be conscious of it. So it doesn't control you. Yeah. Um, Cause everyone has that, but I felt that it was just like a bit too consuming. Um, and I think what's really nice is like to be creative, you have to be really present. And I think the one of the hardest things to learn on set is how to be present because when things aren't working, there's this uncomfortable feeling on set. And yeah. when you're the director, everyone looks to you and it's not working and you need to be able to like be present and lean into that feeling. And if you're not on that edge of uncomfort, you're doing, you're not doing something interesting, I think. So it's so easy when you're uncomfortable just to retreat by your monitor, retreat to the camera, retreat to your phone, retreat to these places of comfort as opposed to like, going digging into the performance or digging into what you need to and Instagram mm. I felt was like such an intense distraction to actually be present because I was always kind of also trying to replicate like you know bring some brand or something of my identity that was online to part of my career and I think what's been interesting being off of it is um I don't feel that pressure anymore and I think with long form projects because they take so long yeah um, you get addicted to the short form stuff, which is like another music video, like uh, cool, and like this thing, and a commercial fan, and the long form projects, like one I've been working on for four years, um, and now it's like getting closer, and another two or three years, another one six months. So you know, it's like there are these little houses that you start building that like take time. And, Absolutely. You know, it's a different. It's, it's a you can't be on this like cycle of short term. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I guess like in one of the. In thinking about like the prep for this and trying to talk to you and trying to figure out like a line of questioning and you know I think one of the things that I naturally tend to ask people is like was there a a breakthrough moment um, and like w- was there a shift when that happened either not just in your opportunities but even in your line of thinking 
and you've kind of been discussing that in terms of that transition that you went through in your mid twenties. And of course, like you, there's been a lot of accolades and a lot of awards and a lot of recognition. And I'm, I just get curious about like, do any of those stick out? How are you feeling about those types of things? Does it, are you, is it like the type of thought process where like, I don't really think that matters because it gets me kind of off the ball of what, why I'm actually doing any of this. I I'm, was curious to hear your yeah. thoughts on that. I feel like I've just been kind of grinding. I feel like yeah. I've been grinding since I was like 15. Um, so I don't feel like I've, I feel like I've gotten lucky in moments, but I feel like I've also just continued to work. I think that, um, I've seen people make, you know, in my 20s, a lot of people, a lot of young directors, like, have this flash and boom, and then they are, are I don't know what they're doing anymore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like, I think luck is, like, uh, opportunity and preparation combined. And um, mm. I think that some people have, you know, been friends with this person, and then they have this idea, and, like, seeing them it worked. And I think that um, I feel like I got lucky when I was, prepping i was pitching on a movie that took place in baltimore and that actually that movie came out sundance this year i didn't direct it um but i was prepping baltimore and and they're researching and then i went to pitch the movie and me and the producers like really didn't see eye to eye but then that i thought was prepping baltimore and then i was like what am i gonna do with it and then i got the leon bridges river track sent to me and that was the pretty pivotal point where Mm. you know everyone's like telling me not to do this video and i need to do this other commercial but whatever and i was like fuck it and now i'm like so what was the what was the thought process about you not doing it that that these people had oh just like you know most people like want you to do a job or want you to do x and see this opportunity and this music video that's like got twenty thousand dollars which you know is like not really that opportunity but it's like there yeah. was a that was a really clear version where i was really committed and felt really connected to a lot of people and wanted to tell a story and when I have that level of connection, hmm. um, I have such such confidence, and that confidence is so rapturous that I feel like nothing can stop me. And that has only happened a few times in my career, but that's like the best feeling. Wow! And I think that like I think like confidence comes from connection, and so I feel like what I try and do now is like one film I'm developing, I was not really confident on it for quite a few years and someone else was writing it. And then I took it over and I really dug my hand into the character's life and we talk almost every day. Um, and now I feel really connected to it. So mm -hmm. now when I go to a meeting and say like, you know, can you make this movie? I really feel genuine in my ability to talk about it, even though it's just like a story about an African-American man in New Orleans, like literally from the polar opposite of the continent, <laughs> you know, in the culture and, and life. Um, but I feel like I've done the work to tell the story. Yeah. Um, no, you. So to me, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no. You, you, you brought up you brought up a lot of things there that like. Well, no. Finish your thought. To me, what are you going to say? Yeah, I just I think that that like now it's with some comes part on commercials is like. Like on, you know, my last commercial, I wasn't able to do the casting until two days before shooting in some respects. So then my prep is like so short. So it's like my cinematographer and my like production designer, they got the world built and how to light it. But me like connecting with a person and trying to figure out how to work with this person happens at the last minute. So I don't have enough time to connect and, and research and build a world. And I'm on set. And I feel like I'm on my heels. Like this last one... Well, I'm still shooting it. We're on a down day, but I shoot the next few days. It's like the script, like 
on the, the day before the tech scout, I did, I just got sent a completely a totally different script that I I written one for them and they said yes and then I said got sent something that totally changed, and now I'm like scrambling and I don't feel connected to it. So I'm on set, it's really hard and everyone's like, kind of, um, you know, things aren't working and people start to take control of things and you realize like wow I'm just not fully connected to this. When mm -hmm. I have that connection. Mm -hmm. I feel so, like so confident in what I'm doing and that like leads people. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. Sometimes, you know, commercials, you're just in a place where, you know, because it ultimately is for someone else's means that, um, you have to, uh, roll with the punches. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes you're just like, okay, fuck, this is, this is, it, this is it as uh, what it is. But, um, you know, they try and do your best. And I, when I get hired, if someone disagrees with me or they need something ultimately, like I'm a hired gun for them in that context. So like, I want to, uh, take accountability of me agreeing to do the project and do the best I can. And, and if, uh, if it doesn't become something that works for me, like I'm ultimately just have to do it to best of my abilities because I want my reputation to be solid and not people feel like, you know, that I'm going to follow through. So, you know, that connection thing I think is really important, but it takes time. And so it's harder on commercials, I think, especially. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, the, the Leon Bridges discussion, um, just in, in general, just talking about that, that project, it's interesting to hear how it came about through, um, you being prepped for something in Baltimore in general and having like a sense of what that is. Um, something that, I wanted to talk about in a, in a general sense and that it is definitely apparent here as well as the way that I feel like a lot of your pieces have a lot of small moments, um, whole scenes that might happen in just a couple seconds in one angle. Uh, and that a lot of that kind of happens in uh, across a lot of, a lot of the work. And I think that in Leon Bridges, it, it, it happened a lot there. Um, what the vignettes that occur, like where did those come from? How are you, I guess, con concepting stuff like that and in, in approaching a scenario where you have so many one-off shots that are completely unique in terms of, you know, set and set deck and, and people, um, how are you going about creating a scenario that actually works to achieve such a um, rich world that you're creating? But obviously I'm assuming that the time and means are slim. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I feel like if, uh, you know, like emotional clarity and what you're trying to do that you don't need that much. So like, you know, the Umbridges we made like four years ago now, but, um, you know, it was a very small crew. The last day of shooting, like our crew walked off cause they felt unsafe. <laughs> and, um, so really? like, me and the cinematographer based like shot scenes by ourselves. Um, so I think like some of the best stuff I've shot with very minimal people, I think that, you know, um, those projects, so that project is a vignette kind of story because I wanted it to feel, um, I didn't want it to be like too narrative, you know, like I didn't, I think Jay-Z video I did is very narrative because I just wanted to tell that story, but the, I think the best type of music videos are impressionistic, like lyrics. Yeah. So you're not trying to say A, B, C, you might just say A and then C, you know, and let people fill in the blanks with their own feeling and I think that what I was interested in was like people coming from these really intense situations that are happening in Baltimore and their domestic lives and what the feeling of being these domestic relationships which I think were really relatable even though I can't relate to like having my like uh, neighborhood go through a riot um, you know so 
that was kind of the core thing and emotion I was into. So from researching from this other project, I had like seen things or witnessed things or heard stories or tidbits and those kind of stuck out. And I think what you do is when you research and research and research on projects, your brain's over time just um, sediments like starts to say like what's the things that are still interesting and what kind of holds you on on to it and same thing with this feature um, that I wrote in New Orleans it's like over time these ideas still stick with you so mm. things start going away and suddenly it simplifies and simplifies and each draft like the first draft's 160 pages the second draft's 147 and I think my, mostly what I try and do is just you throw everything out there and you just simplify and how simple you can get and I think with Leon where our project was successful, mainly because the music, the song is classic, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's like the first song I got that I was like, I fucking need to tell this. But the other ones, I just kept kept the music video simple, I think. Um, And I think that's really key for people to emotionally digest something. I wasn't trying to do too much. I felt like at that time in my career, I was getting hired to do all these like flyer on the world vignette commercials and to be honest i think a lot of those informed the on video because i was so exhausted by like putting so much energy into like little emotional impact yeah and so i what i like to do now is not because i'm lazy but i like to do like the least amount of work for the most amount of emotion if that makes sense so, yeah like, and that's a filming a guy like it, 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 it maybe it's not the work but it's like the storytelling should feel effortless mm-hmm. so like a lot of stuff I like to do it's like one shot it's like to craft that one shot it might have taken me weeks to get the right cast location time of day DP productions on our agency on board for this idea like whatever so much but then like the simplicity and how it's told I think may allow you to connect to it a lot more yeah well that reminds me of like we're just bouncing around but it's I I I like it. Like, I mean, with the Bose campaign and Volvo, you know, you're like, it's, it's the telling an entire story that has a richness and an an emotional hit in, if not one shot, then like two or three tops. Um, You know, I, and you were talking about getting the agency on board for, for things like that, because to me, I would think that that would be some of the hardest leaps to make in terms of getting them to agree what do you think why are you successful at doing that well I think with Bose actually what's interesting with Bose and Volvo they both came in at like 10 15 second spots <laughs> and, and people like, are you sure you want to do that and I was like honestly man you're gonna let me do one scene like I can do a spot with one scene like fuck yeah you know like how many jobs do you get there like oh, we need it to be anthemic, we need, like, more scenes, more shit, more shit, and you shoot it, and you get it, the edit, and you're like, fuck me, this is, like, too complex, you can't feel fucking anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. when they say one scene, I was like, I basically turn those 15-second spots into 60s, 90s, and then the agencies bought them. They still had their 15s, they still knew what they needed, but they realized they got more, so they ended up using the longer foreign pieces on some of them as well. Some mm. of those are director's cuts, some of them uh, lived on. Um, so if you take something simple and you build out from it, it's a better place than like having some complex idea that you're trying to make it work. Um, I've done some projects like that. So again, those are really low concept things, but I think they're easily felt and I'm interested in finding something that feels truthful and felt and then like feeling is what I find, like the feeling is what is, that's it. You know what I mean? I feel like I get, I got so lost in trying to figure out what I was doing that like the feeling is enough like if you never just tell a story in your mind or the feeling it doesn't have to like give someone an idea or 
whatever. It's just yeah. if you land with a feeling that really resonates, that's enough um, for like a movie or a commercial or a music video. Yeah, I mean, just the smile on that kid uh, with the with the the kiss on his cheek from the from the bows. Yeah. I mean, it's like that smile alone. I was like, man, I love everything about that. Um, yeah, and I hated that script when I came in. I was like, "Fuck me, how am I gonna make this good?" Like, really? What was what? What was? Got me get on the scooter. What didn't you like, <laughs> and then how did you change it? I didn't, I just uh, had to execute it as well as I could. So I thought it was. So, I thought it potentially could be so corny, but I also felt like I know what it feels like to come from a high school dance. That you're all nervous, and you're, you know, it's probably some of the stressful moments in my life. It's like you know, high school dances. Sure. Um, so, and then uh, I thought that I began with that feeling, and I was like, how do I tell this in a really elegant way? So it's like, I designed that shot, and that's like with an ultimate arm, like with a camera car. Um, mm-hmm. And I needed to have intimacy, so I had to like basically have this kid going down the street, and like this huge camera car, like camera swings right to his face, like two feet a foot and a half away from his face. So we had like, you know, drivers who do like bond movies and shit like big action films like, yeah. do this you know this kid on a scooter and it's just kind of hilarious because um it was uh so not the thing that everyone was used to but i felt like that shot grounded it enough so i feel like if i told it but i really grounded it i didn't try it's so easy to make that really cutesy and kind of like um and people end up really liking it and i thought it was you know i didn't expect that one to resonate with people it's just easier to feel but you know they came to me with just the scene of the kid on the scooter and I said let's tell more stories so I put the other scenes in it we ended up shooting in the high school that was my first girlfriend's high school in Vancouver oh no way funny (laughs) yeah and then uh you know so um yeah I think it was just uh I tried to build on what they were doing they had something simple and I built off of it with Volvo we had a script that I wrote this, it was like, you know, Gustav Johansson did the, the Moments campaign, and it was a follow-up to that, and I was going to do another big, long film, and then I died, and they said, oh, we'd really love you to do this job, but do you want to shoot portraits of people at cars? And I was like, portraits of people at cars? Like, yeah, you know, maybe shoot, like, a 360 camera or something cool, and I was like, man, like, eight days of shooting, but, like, just shooting that, I might, like, blow my brains out, so I was going to walk away from the job, and then my production company was like, you know, let's think about it. So I said, okay, well, I'll do it if I can, like, write, quote, unquote, portraits. So I wrote these, like, portraits, and then those portraits became scenes, and I wrote basically, like, 17 scenes, and we shot 17 scenes and 17 spots in eight days. Um, and some of them I liked better than others, and some of them had to be something I didn't like, but through doing so many, I think we had, like, four that were really good, really great. I think we had, like, three that were good, and we had, like, seven that were terrible. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, we Don't took risks. Like, let's, you know, we took, you know, Chase, the DPI, we took, and we took big risks with, like, camera blocking and, like, let's shoot a whole scene in 20 minutes. Like, that spot late was, like, we shot that whole thing in, like, 30 minutes, like, with cameras and cars and long lenses and handheld and all stuff, and, like, such a short amount of time, we're like, let's do that, or let's tell this whole story of just this pan inside this car. And a lot of those ideas of how to tell the story were done in the writing. So that's why I think, like, I can't really direct things very well. I didn't write, and especially in commercials. I, there's an allowance now I have to go in and write and do my thing because, like, how I tell the story should be really connected to um, what the script is. Do you find... I was curious about this aspect of your work, too, where... Um, how much of the 
final result is being found in post because especially with a lot of these vignettes like like going back to the Leon Bridge music video just to kind of ground it like um, there are just so many one-offs or sh- scenes that were filmed just from one perspective um, is it that you were planning like that you got coverage and you and you gave yourself a lot of options and then in, in post there was a level of restraint or you were so sure of how these things were going to go that it was written that way from the jump. That's been about some of it. Like I planned these really intense shots and we got there and it all failed. And then we, that's just like, what was failing about them? Uh, like the, um, I think I had like always like the opening in the motel that was like all planned to a T, you know, like that whole shot was planned. We did like 27 times mm-hmm. and we had like two takes that worked because um, I wanted some like singing to feel real and then like the visual scene on the corner uh, had a similar shot planned and it was just contrived but I had all these real mothers who would like last sentence to police brutality there so the emotion was real so I was like trying to do the shot and me and my DP and Chase just weren't feeling it so we just bailed and then we said okay let's just like go more handheld and make this just a simpler thing to react to people so it's really about what the situation is and I think that's why you know um, it's like maybe it sounds pretentious, but like Cassavetti said, like one of the biggest, you know, um, um, problems with filmmaking is prep. You know, like prep can kill your ability to react on the set to find something that feels real because it just makes you so focused on what you want to do. But also, sometimes just prep is um, so needed so you feel confident that you always have a version of something that you love. And if it doesn't work, you can then know what you need and move off of it. And I think that I find that somewhere in the middle, like I think prep to me connects me with the material and I feel confident in it. And that makes me calm on set. And if I'm not prepped, I'm anxious because I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> I don't know quite what I'm doing. And, um, and uh, but yeah, some things, things just failed, but I think that was, the, um, that was like found in the end of the bit, but it was like, a lot of those scenes were just really simple. We knew what we needed, and some of them like failed, and we shot things that we didn't use, like everything. But it just tried to be like what was in front of us and what felt right. You know? Yeah, um, and you you spoke about this briefly, but I wanted to kind of dig in because I think it happens with a lot of your work that, you know, as someone who's obviously not from Baltimore and you're not from that community, and in today's day and age of being a white guy telling black stories. I'm just curious how you approach directing that type of subject matter um, because it definitely feels like there was a sensitive a, a sensitivity that was reached and that it felt right and that uh, how how are you going about it I guess both in the practical sense and also where are your mental thoughts on that type of stuff? Uh, I don't think, you know, um, that and Jay-Z video, they weren't like premeditated, it was like, I want to tell African-American stories, you know, mm-hmm. I would like send a movie to pitch on that took place in Baltimore, so I spent a lot of time there, and then that, you know, didn't pan out, so then I, then I said this track, and that was like, you know, probably my, my career on best moments of luck, you know, really prepared for something, um, and then the Jay-Z video, I like turned down, and then they said, like, the one that Ava DeVerney did. And then they said, like, turning up, like, doing this down, like, you should want to, like, just listen to the album. So it's in the album, heard that song, and that is not um, having to be, like, closetly gay for most of her life. And I was like, well, that's a pretty wild story. So, uh, you know, 
wasn't so connected to the song, but I was like, the story I wanted to tell. And, and, you know, then a producer sent me a story about a guy in New Orleans, and um, um, that kind of led me down a path. But I think that what I was talking about earlier is like my, my love of documentary is like very involved process of what I like to do. So I think my life has been really privileged um, from cultural standpoint, from a race standpoint, from like so many different areas that um, I don't, you know, I made a short like five years ago that was like kind of about my life. <laughs> now I tell people like, well, you know, why are you telling these other people's stories? And I could just tell about being like a, you know, wealthy guy in Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, like, that's not a story that I'd want to watch, you know, and it's like, that stuff feels, feels like self-indulgent sometimes and not that you need to be like going out and um, trying to just like tell stories that uh, um, are about other people's troubles, but I, I find that like, the process of making them just as like a human being, I think uh, it broadens my experience and makes me more connected and makes, gives, has me more empathy with more people. And I, I kind of like that from just like a lifestyle standpoint of mm-hmm. um, like I kind of idolize documentary photojournalists and documentary filmmakers more than anybody. Um, and in a narrative sense, like I kind of want to bring that world into what I do because that is what I, meeting strangers that are so different than me and connecting is like some of the most gratifying experiences I've had in my life. So like that to me is like, I could do a life of that. Um, and I think that when I think about filmmaking, it's like, what's going to keep me going? And that to me seems like a pretty good strategy at this point. Yeah. But I, I you know, I might change, you know, two of the scripts I'm writing are true stories. One is, uh, one is, um, completely fictional and I've been working on that for a while and it's taken me a long time a lot of self-reflection to realize like what this thing was about and it was a high concept thing that I was actually masking um um the emotion with with concept you know and I think it was really about loneliness and I realized that after like two or three years of working on it and writing script and hating it and then like going back to it a year later like oh this is actually what the emotion that I was trying to get into but I was too scared to like confront it so I was writing around it with like big ideas that were going to impress people um and that again that's nice what comes with a bit of age and you know I feel like I'm you know really in a place that I'm really ready to make a film um and I was you know felt a lot of pressure to make one four or five years ago but I honestly just don't think I had enough wisdom that was like interesting enough as a human being and I think that like I didn't really want to do something where does the thought process like that I mean, I don't. I, there's a certain level of self-awareness for actually feeling that way in any given moment about your own abilities or like what's right. Um, mm. Where is that coming from? The fact that you come from a family that's in the business, which maybe gives you a different insight, or where do you think that's coming from? I think once you're ready to do something, it's too late. Like, I think that mm. the idea of making a film right now like, makes my shit my pants. But I think that I was so focused on craft for so long. And then I got to a place, and like, I think my craft is pretty good. I think, like, if I work with I work with a range of cinematographers, like, a couple regularly, but I think every single time I make something, I, I think it looks in the same world. I feel like I can control a look. I think production design, I think... My performances were really shitty to be in my career. Like I was a bad performance director, and I think now I people come to me for a performance. Then I was a really shitty writer, 
and I'm so appreciative of writer. <laughs> and I just like really focus on writing the last few years. So you kind of like when you say that. Like, hold on. When, when you say that you're a shitty writer now, are are we like is that are we being self-deprecating? What do you mean? I mean, like when you read good scripts and you read your own script, you're like, yeah, not that good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but it's like it's. It, I think that's like something like you know, it was really humbling like three years ago. I just got an office and then just uh, got my own office and it was like just for writing and I was just trying to make that a. What I was focusing on because I, I think you just realize like what are your weaknesses? Okay, my weaknesses are this is my weakness in the beginning was I'm making work for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. you know, and I it was cutting to get noticed in the front of my career or whatever. And then I made work that I wanted that I connected with and that connected with more people in my career that started to take more shape and have more confidence. And then, um, oh, my performances sucked so started doing like acting classes and just jumping into what that was and stopped hiding behind a camera, you know, and like, and all those things. And so then you just lean into what you're bad at. And then it's like writing is, um, again, like, I, I don't think, I don't think I really want to get handed scripts and, you know, I would, I would get handed scripts and rewrite it and make it, but it's so nice to like originate the story and then have it born with you because you just feel so connected to it because you know like the essence of what's there mm-hmm. and the essence of like what you're attached to so then when you're in the project and you don't have enough money and things get tighter you know what's essential and I think like that knowing what essential feeling is like when maybe that's when directing is really easy because um, directing is like a thousand questions every day and if you haven't done the work and be confident in what's essential then it's a fucking hard job <laughs> like that's what I find sometimes with commercials when I don't have the time to really connect it's really tough because i'm just like i think it's this i don't know but when i have the time and prep it's like a really easy job you just it, you know it's hard to get through all the minutiae of it but like emotionally it's like you know what you're doing um so yeah i forget where we started <laughs> no no i i think no i well it's interesting that every every question kind of spawns a, a much more holistic answer than i was anticipating and i think that that speaks to something. Um, I think about maybe your the, the work that you're doing. It kind of makes sense to me. Um, something that I did want to get to was in terms of the DPs that you're working with, um, with Chase and with Stuart, uh, among others. What I wanted to kind of pick your brain about what you thought, what why the, the, those relationships work, um, what you like about working with them, um, what what aspects are you appreciative of in the prep process as well as on set. Yeah, I think like um, I think the cinematographers I've like continued to work with, I think um, have a certain level of soulfulness that um, that I really get along with. I think they also. Um, How is that expressed? The soulfulness. It's just something intangible, yeah. you know. Like how I think when like it's the way they move a camera, it's the way they light, it's the way they talk to an actor because. You know, a lot of times that the DP is the closest person to an actor. So when you're like, you know, talk to them and then you have to go do a bunch of the shit, they're just sitting there communicating with them and you know that like they're in good hands and connected. Um, I feel like there's sometimes like, you know, working with Stuart versus Chase, whatever, it's a completely different feeling. It's a completely different experience. That's interesting. But you can kind of, you can kind of get to some of the results, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that um, different 
me and different DPs work in different ways. Some they just want me to be very specific with the shot and what I want. Some want to like I like lay in a shot, which is kind of like a rough draft, and then they come in and we bounce off each other. Sometimes I just you know in Volvo or whatever those ones, for example, I was like, this is the shot, and I've been thinking about it for three weeks, and this is let's do it, and we prepped it, prepped it, prepped it, and went back to locations a whole bunch of times, and sometimes you show up and you kind of think what you're doing and you throw everything out. So. You know, um, but I think what's this, what's more essential is like to look work people who are like just storytellers in general, hmm. like uh, uh, like Jay Healy who did like those bow spots and did the Leon video. She, um, you know, is a really amazing production designer. Just did like a Marriage Story, and um, she's uh, yeah, she just she's a storyteller. So sometimes you're just doing something and she's like what about this shot and you're like oh I never thought of that hmm. and I think that like the way I like to work is you know I feel like it's always your responsibility like every decision but don't have an ego to make sure that it's your decision I think like or your idea like mm-hmm. a lot of times the best ideas come from other people and I think there's humility to just being like yeah I was definitely wrong about that <laughs> like so glad this idea came out and I think that's why you choose your team um is people who are like looking at things holistically as opposed to just like tell me what my task is. And I think when you have work with people who are just so like, I just want my task and my thing, who aren't looking at something holistically, I find it really creatively stagnant. Um, and I feel like I have like a partner where um, when I first started working with people who would like challenge my shot process and whatever, I was like, well, you stick to your own role. And I realized like now it's like that's like so a part of what I need is like mm. people who can. Like a DP who's like, I fucking hate this performance. This <laughs> <And then, laughs> is corny as fuck. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. I was feeling something was off, and I'm so happy you told me that. Or just says, like, this isn't working. Let's like, totally. change it. No, it's a gut check. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious when you're saying that, like, Jason Stewart, you know, you can achieve the same result, but they go about it totally different ways. What are, What's that difference? Uh, they're different people. <laughs> you know, and like, uh, they're just like different personalities. I work with Evan Pesrovsky a lot. and and, um, you know, a handful of the people, and there's just, everyone's got their own process, like, I'm sure they work with other directors who do different ways, and there's just different relationships, I think your responsibility as a director is to have, you're the central common denominator, so mm-hmm. it's, like, my responsibility, not that I care, and it's, like, an ego thing that has to be similar, but it's, like, this is my feeling, this is what I like, so, like, his collaborations with other people are going to be very different. Once with me, it's like, um, when he works with Cleo, it's like the very different feeling thing he works with me, but it's like, we have strengths that align and then like other DPs will have strengths that align. Sometimes when there's a line and you find this nice synergy, that's great, you know, and some strengths they have with other directors, completely different thing. And I think that's kind of the collaborations I think that keep coming back. It's like, oh, there was a, you know, we're, we're friends or we became friends and there was some connection and then you realize that your strengths kind of aligned in nice ways. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like, the process is really brutal and a lot of frustrations and going back and forth and nothing's not working intention on set and whatever. Like, I'm all down for that, you know, because I think that that puts you in that place of like, discomfort where, like, good things come. And so I like working with people who challenge me. Um, I think when people fill my ego and I get really bored and I don't trust them. So when people like challenge me, I trust them. Um, I think that's pretty essential. Yeah. Like, collaborations. Yeah, and I, it's a skill to challenge someone in, in a productive, in a in a, in a way that's, where the the challenge gets received correctly. 
Obviously, it's not all on you because the person needs to be open to it, but there's definitely a skill in telling people what they don't want to hear. Yeah, just make it about the work. I think it's like what I try to do with agencies or with clients or with collaborators. It's just like it's about the work or like the people I work with with writing. It's like if you take that ground and you talk about it like that way and how you feel as opposed to what the other person's doing, like I feel this and I like this and whatever. It's like it's about the work and it's, it can be really clean. But I think that like, yeah, it's, it's essential to trust people who want to challenge something and if when people challenge you it forces you to go back to that place of connection and like how much you connect to something and sometimes it's like on this you know in a commercial when i'm not very connected and someone challenges me i'm like fuck i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean like it's hard i'm like i just didn't have enough time to prep this um you know so the connection is off because when you're a cinematographer you just show up and you look at the scene and you're like you didn't prep the scene. You just show up and you're like, this is terrible or this is interesting. So like there are DPs, production designers like usually aren't even there because they're like doing the next scene, you know? So it's like your DP is always a good person to um, just look at something with fresh eyes and be like, is this interesting or is this special? It's not at all. Let's fix it. And they're kind of like a helpful part of the writing process because they're kind of this lens that just receives what you've been prepping. Um, And they, you know, they kind of locations, but they didn't go to casting. They didn't do the writing process so they just look at it what it is and sometimes it's really helpful and they're just like man it's shit or like this isn't working or this is kind of cool or what if we did this so it's like i think good cinematographers are really big part of the writing process because they're just like the receptor like their lens is just like receiving something and it's interesting and what i get really nervous sometimes like blocking scenes um because i'm like oh this is like my this is where i have to be the person to shine and i, I get nervous and I realized I was nervous because I, I wasn't, like, allowing people just to do things. I was always trying to get specific things for, like, pre-designed shots. Mm. And now I go, take this out of, you know, this shelf and go sit over there and then this and, like, see what people do. And mm. then the blocking comes natural and then I kind of absorb it. Mm. And I think, like, a lot of people forget that process. They just start yeah. shooting rehearsals and just shooting and shooting. And, like, because I shoot film, I actually do block shots and figure them out and I think that process is so essential because I uh, even on this job the first couple days I was really nervous because I was like blocking it but I wasn't quite sure these people aren't actors and making them act and whatever and then the the last day yesterday I was like you know what like let's just see what they do and like let's just observe it and like it's not my responsibility it's this weird thing where as a director you feel so responsible for the cast to be amazing locations and the story to work especially when you write it hmm. you feel responsible but you need to just not you need to like receive it because when you feel responsible you get anxious and that anxiety i think stops you from being creative and i think the hardest thing on set is to calm that anxiety because you can't create anything that headspace where your mind's spinning you got to be in a totally different headspace so it's Anyway, I don't know if that's making sense. No, no, it's making a lot of sense. Actually, like I've, I really enjoyed hearing about that because I think the thing, the thing that, the thing where I'm at personally is like my understanding of the craft is at a point where I can make things look the way that they look in my head, but at the same time, I there's this, there's this thin line where you can restrict, um, just being being open to whatever, like the spark that you did, that you weren't anticipating, and like how do you manage to balance out being able to achieve exactly what you wanted to because you had that plan but that that isn't necessarily what the scene actually needs and you only realize that in the moment like you know staying open to that and being being reactive um 
it's definitely a challenge and you're, you're, you're speaking directly to it. So, you know, that stuff I think is, is gold for me to hear, honestly. Yeah. I think it's like, to me, the best thing is when like writing performance and camera work together. Um, and location obviously is part of that, but it's like when those things work together, you don't have to cut and you can keep telling a story and like keep tension mm. alive. Like I think what I'm interested in most is like creating shots that can hold tension. Um, mm. and, I like like going to plays because plays are such good examples of like throwing mm. all these elements and holding tension. They can't cut, and I think that's really beautiful. So, to me, that that's where I like working with actors and whatever real people or whomever to kind of create shots that hold, so you feel like you're immersed because the shots that hold to me like allow me to connect more, especially in like short form work. But you know, making a feature, I probably approach it the same way. And, and so much of that is like you said, is the difficulty of knowing like this isn't working and then like this thing is cool like you know and um um tree of life the most highly reference film of all time um <laughs> you know like the chiba and terry, terry like didn't see locations they would show up and be like oh this is like what we should be doing in like freestyle but then also like when they shot the house they prepped the house so much that they could shoot the right time of day with the right backlight at all these times so some of that film is like so prepped some of that film is completely freestyle um, and I think that like this feeling of like when you walk on to places and um, you just react to it, you're not like, oh, I saw it on a scout and it seemed differently. So I have this thing in my mind that I'm stuck in. You go and you react to it and you jam. And I think like having a quiet confidence allows you to do that. And I think you have to be really sure of yourself. And I feel like when you get anxious because you're nervous or whatever, you lose that ability to be creative and that kind of kills creativity and it's a daily struggle I find you know it's like sometimes I'm just like oh I'm not really feeling prepped so I'm nervous and this thing but I'm not confident in the writing and, and sometimes I feel really confident and it doesn't work and then you just re, you figure it out because you know like, the essence of what you're trying to do hmm. um but yeah I think that that to me is is uh, always a hard balance and right now it's because I'm writing a lot I shoot I'm shooting a lot less so the job I did in the fall um it's Procter & Gamble Olympics job that was like the first thing I shot in a year. Like I've never gone a year, like 15 years, like not shooting. Wow. Because like, I wrote like two features and when I was shooting, I was like, man, I felt like on my heels. I was like so out of practice. Mm. You're like trying to go play a sport again. You haven't played for a year. Sure. And now I'm like, you know, now I'm like, okay, I'm getting back into it and feeling better on this job. But it's, it's um, it definitely is like doing it a lot and repetition makes you a lot better. And I think that's what's been nice about doing commercials and music videos, especially commercials. You just shoot a lot, so you can so much practice, you know, as opposed to like doing a short film every two years, you know? Yeah. Well, thinking since uh, we're coming up on an hour, um, obviously I'd like to end talking about where you, you know, people are taking their work in the future, and it sounds like you got a couple features kicking around. Are you mm -hmm. hoping to shift towards kind of a feature-to-feature -feature basis and some commercials here and there, but it's not your main thing and features kind of take over? Or how do you feel about that? Not, not, or maybe uh, you're not thinking about it much. I story, so yeah. like I like it. saw that coming as an answer. Make movies and be cool to make a documentary, seven documentaries as well. I just feel like that's like what I'm interested in, at least in commercials. Like I'm not like by any means like the best commercial director, but it's like I know that um, there's a limited growth I can have. You know, mm -hmm. like I feel like I've made commercials the last few years and like, oh, they're getting better and more into what I want to do and people come to me for specific things and give me more trust. Um, so I feel like I have less growth potential in that world and music videos 
I love, but I want to do more storytelling because that's what really how my brain works. I don't really work like an abstract thoughts and things. I'm very like, how does this make sense and how does it feel real? And because I grew up in a film family, the film films that aren't like really real or authentic, I find really boring. So I can't watch a lot of movies. So, and that's why I'm probably love documentaries so much. So to me, that's like um, the obviously long form stuff is where I feel like I have the most growth and. And I was feeling a little stagnant and getting into writing and just having a different, quieter life and not traveling all the time, gave me personal growth as well. So that's what I'm looking to do more than, I don't know, movies might be dead in 10 years, who knows? But it's like, you know, so it's just like, to me, it's just trying to keep having growth and that keeps me going. Right on, man. Well, thank you for the hour. It was, it was great to hear all about the work you've been through and the thoughts you have on it. Yeah.